The title of this series is called Build Your Life. Build Your Life. All of us have got an opportunity, no matter what's happened in the past, to make choices to build your life. Um, but the key is that we all have a choice as to what kind of material we're going to build with. Um, right now, Jess and I are in the midst of building our own first house, uh, which is really exciting with a building company. And so we get to like choose the materials that we can build with. We're like, oh, we might choose this or that. And, and the same thing goes with our lives. We all have a choice as to what materials we're going to build our life with. Um, and so Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15, you are going to get a fire hydrant full of Scripture tonight, by the way. So just get ready. Um, the screen could have helped us to digest it a bit more. You probably want to take out your notes tonight, all right? So take out your phones, get ready to write down references and check them later. Um, but you're going to get a fire hydrant of Scripture. So I'm going to start reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15. It says this. It starts off with the foundation. Because of God's grace to me, Paul said, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder, and now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any other foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that we lay, that we build our life on. Then he goes on. He says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold or silver or jewels or wood or hay or straw. There's all these options of different things that we can build a life with. Some of more quality, some of lesser quality, some more flammable, some can make it through the fire. And he goes on to say, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, any substance. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burnt up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Has anyone ever jumped over a fire before? You're like, oh, let's just jump through the fire. Anyone done any fire walking? I have not done that myself. Oh, hello, a few brave people around the place. But each of us have a choice as to what we're going to build our life with. And, and for me, I don't want to get to the end of my life at the threshold of eternity and have, and have my work and my effort just be burnt up. I might be able to stack a whole lot of hay there. Look how big my stack of hay is. Rawr! But in an instant, a fire can just take that thing out. But you might have some gold there that's reduced down to this little bit here, but that can last through the fire, metal. And, and so we want to build our life with quality materials. And we want to be like the wise builder that Jesus spoke about. We don't want to be like a foolish builder. We want to be a wise builder that uses quality materials to build our life on. And so what I want to do tonight is to highlight, number one, to highlight the value of wisdom. Highlight the value of wisdom. This is what this series is about, how to build our life with wisdom. And I want to kind of whet your appetite for wisdom tonight. And then I'm going to give you a key, a significant key, of how you can access and unlock that wisdom in your life. And so we're going to read out a whole lot of Scripture from Proverbs right now. I'm just going to skim through it. And it's, most of it's from Proverbs chapter 8. But I've got a lot of Scriptures combined. And you'll need to follow me real quick. Um, I might even put these notes up online or something at the end. This is it. Listen, as wisdom calls out, hear as understanding raises her voice. It's 8 verse 1. 
And then in verse 10 to 11, it says, Choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. It talks about wisdom being a person. It's the Spirit of God that God can give us. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths, and all her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. That's, um, that's chapter Proverbs 3, verse 16 to 18, that section. And now back to chapter 8. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. Um, 8 verse 21. Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. And then 8, 34 to 35. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Ecclesiastes seven nineteen. Wisdom makes one wise person more powerful than 10 rulers in a city. Wisdom makes me more powerful than 10 rulers in a city. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Using a dull axe requires great strength. You know when you get that blunt knife at home, you just got to cut through that tomato, you're at more risk of cutting yourself, funnily enough, with a blunt knife than you are a sharp knife. But using a dull axe requires great strength. You need to hit that tree more often. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you to succeed. Wisdom like sharpens the blade of your life so you can have great success. And then it says, don't turn your back on wisdom in chapter 4, verse 6 of Proverbs. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. And then it says in 8, verse 36, but those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. If you neglect wisdom, you're literally shooting yourself in the foot. You injure yourself. And so the benefits of wisdom according to these scriptures are is more valuable than rubies. It's going to give you a long life. It's going to give you riches and wealth and honor. It'll lead you down delightful paths. I want to go down delightful paths. It'll be satisfying. It's a tree of life to you. Happy and joyful are those who have wisdom. It's more power, leaves you to be more powerful than 10 rulers of the most so-called influential people, the insta-influencers. Um, it brings you success. Wisdom protects you. Wisdom guards you. And it is a powerful, powerful thing for our lives. But those who neglect wisdom injure themselves. And we have a choice. Will we build with wisdom or will we build our life with flimsy, cheap materials? And it's available for everyone who wants it. And so what I want to share tonight is a key that can unlock wisdom. See, we can build our life of significance that will ripple on for eternity. You know, I think of Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Twelve. You know, those, whatever those movies are where there's this, there's this bunch of men and women or men and that are just going after the treasure. And they just do whatever it takes. They put their life on the line. They come up with the meticulous plans where they've got the blueprints. And they're, they're putting it all on the line. What for? For, for rubies, for treasure. And it's in this vault hidden away. And they're trying to figure out using all their technology and their wits and their wisdom, gathering together to seek after a treasure that Jesus will fade away, said will fade away. But, but we have an opportunity through this one key that actually gives us the passcode. It gives us the key. That gives us the, the, the code to get into the safe and access the greatest treasure that we can have on earth. 
and that is the wisdom that God can give us. And so the key, what is the key? What is the key for us to access this wisdom? Um, it's not a, a sexy topic. It's not a, it's not a glossy magazine cover. Wow, this is amazing. But it's quite a confronting scripture. And this next principle that I'm going to lead us down is quite confronting. But let me tell you, this will transform your life if you put it into practice. And this is it. The key that helps us to access the wisdom of God is this. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And Psalm 111 verse 10 say exactly the same thing. It says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other translations, it says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation. It's the foundation. It's the beginning point. It's the first step on the journey. If you want access to wisdom, your beginning point is the fear of the Lord. So what is the fear of the Lord? If you want wisdom, then the key is to walk in the fear of the Lord. For me, this is actually my number one prayer. When I'm, when I'm in my routine of praying, I have a bit of a prayer list that I pray through. My number one thing after spending time in God's presence worshipping God, let me be someone that fears you all the days of my life. And so we're going to explain a little bit about what that means. And so first of all, Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived. When God said, hey, ask me anything, I'll give it to you. He said, give me wisdom. For who can lead this great people of yours? So God gave him great, great wisdom. So Solomon went on this quest throughout the course of his life to try and seek all of the answers of the world, to find the, find the meaning of life and, and the significance of things and how things work. And he built great palaces and big projects. And he was like a philosopher. He was like an artist. He was a guy that, that used the, the wisdom and the intellect that God gave him to search the world for, um, for how life works and to try and access wisdom. And, and he actually fell away from God for a period of time, but he came back to God. And, and this was his summation. This was his thesis. This was like the, the boiled down version of all his research as we can find in Ecclesiastes. This was his summation. At the end of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13 to 14, this is what he says. He says, this is the end of the matter. Now, here is my final conclusion. This is my thesis statement. This is it. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, of humanity. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the chief end or the chief. After all of His research, this is the true meaning is to fear God and obey His commandments. And so really what he's saying is, is this. Firstly, we understand that oh, God is God, and I'm not. Oh, that's right. I do. Remember that? Remember, remember that God, God's God, and I'm not? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. God created the world, and we're because of, of Him. I didn't ask to be born. He's God. He says what goes. He says what's right. He says what's true. doesn't matter how I feel about it. Yeah, I just feel like it's not right. <laughs> yeah, I have a different opinion to that one. <laughs> you know, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> and, and, and this is the thing. And one, and we're all accountable, all of us. Whether we believe it or not, all of us are accountable 
to God with how we live our lives. Or none, none of us aren't accountable. We're all accountable for what we say, for what we do, for what we think. And so what, what I'm going to do on the back of this is talk about two different kinds of the fear of God, um, right? And, and so the, the first part of the fear of God relates to our eternal life over here. And the second part of fearing God or walking in the fear of the Lord is in regards to how we build our life. And, and we're going to get there in a moment. Before we're going to, first we're going to talk about the fear of God when it comes to eternal life. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. And get ready, this is heavy, right? But there's going to come some light relief soon, right? So just, just you wait. It's okay. And online, it's okay. You can stay on as well. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, 36 to 37, he said, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. And so we're all accountable for the way that we live. And then fast forward to the end in the book of Revelations, there was a, one of Jesus' followers, John, was on the Isle of Patmos in prison. And he actually, God gave him a revelation where God revealed, revelation, God revealed to John what, what would happen at the end, end times in the time where Jesus comes back to the earth. And this is what he saw in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. He saw, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both the great and the small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Whew. This is, this is real. Um, Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 28, he says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. That's, that's all they can do. Right? You're like, well, that's quite a lot, actually. <laughs> but he's saying, don't be afraid of people who the worst they can do is kill your body, for they cannot touch your soul. But he says, fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in, in hell, is what Jesus said. Hebrews 10, 30, t- chapter 10, verse 31 says, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then finally, John the Baptist said, when he's clearing away for Jesus to come, he, he, was, he was intense. John the Baptist lived on a diet of like grasshoppers and honey, and he wore, uh, I think it's um, camel hair clothing. Maybe that can come back in fashion, Mel, possibly. Um, we've got a few fashion leaders in this place. It's come with camel hair, goat hair, whatever it is. Next week, it'd be great. And, and, he, he was, and what, what he said was, he said, flee. He said, flee from the wrath to come. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, hey, JB, JB, just calm the farm. <laughs> John the Baptist, bro, woo. Just, uh, just put a smile on your face every now and then. But he was like, flee from the wrath. This is... This is, this is a little bit intense. 
And, and you, you know, and this is the same invitation for us. God, the, the invitation from God is to flee from the wrath, from the punishment, from the judgment to come. And so the question is, well, where do we flee to? It's like, where do we go? Where are we fleeing to, JB? Can you tell us? Where do we run to? And this was a statement put together by the Gospel Coalition. They said this, true fear of the Lord realizes, number one, you can't run from God. Right? We, we, we can run from God for a while. We can not go to church for a while and feel like I'm running from God. I'm safe from God because the churches are over there and I'm, so I'm good. I'm, I'm running from God. You know, Jonah tried to run from God, but God was there as well. And so, you, like, we can't. We can't run. We're all accountable. Whether it's now or whether it's later on the day when Jesus returns, we can't run from God. But it says, true fear of the Lord realizes you can't run from God. And the only option is to run to Him. The only option we have is to run to Him. And when you do, you find the embracing arms of a loving Father. He loves you and I so much. John 3, 16 to 18. <sighs> He's so good. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that everyone who believes in Him, in the provision that He has made through Jesus, will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, not to tell us off with a big wooden spoon, you sinners, but He came to save the world. God sent Jesus not to tell us all off, but to save us. That's what He did. That's why he died on that cross and paid the penalty for our sin. He's, he's made a, isn't it, isn't it an ironic thing? We flee from God, but we flee to him. We, can't, we can never get away from him, but we can turn and we can run towards him. And he goes on to say in verse 18, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Why? Because Jesus has paid for our sin through his death on the cross. But anyone who doesn't believe in him will rely on what Jesus has done and, and, and receive this free gift of this forgiveness of sin and the payment of our debt. Anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one Son. And so, in, in other words, we have a choice. Either we flee from God and we flee to Him. We flee under Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who, 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 I'll come under you. You paid for my sin. You paid my debt. Jesus, when He was on the cross, received the full punishment from God for our sin on our behalf. But we also have a choice. Well, I'm going to flee to God or I'm going to keep trying to flee from Him. And when I stand before God on that day, then I'll pay for my own sin. I'll pay for my own debt. And I'll receive the full just punishment for my sin forever before God. And so we have this invitation from God. You know, it's, it's the fear of God that leads us to flee to Him. When we hit with the reality of what's to come, we flee to Jesus where God wants every single one of us to run to. Acts chapter 20, verse 20 to 21, it says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear either publicly or in your homes. Wherever I went, I wanted to tell you. He said, I have one message for Jews and Greeks alike. In other words, for anyone, for all of us, it's the same message. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I've been living my own life, my own way. I've been heading this direction all my life. I might have like added Jesus and stirred every now and then or got a bit of fire insurance over here. But actually, what I need to do is no longer live for myself. I'm going to turn and I'm going to flee and I'm going to run to you, God. I'm running to Him and I put my faith. 
and what you have done for me. This is the gospel and the good message. And so when we talk about the fear of God in relation to eternity, the key is who you run to. That is the key. Who do you run to is the key. The fear of God causes us not to run from God, but to run to Him, ironically. And He invites all of us to run to come to Him. And for those of us that are here, maybe for the first time or online, the invitation tonight is to, is to run to Him. And at the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to go, God, I run to you. Lord, I flee to you. I come to you and I put my trust in you and I surrender my life into your hands. And you know what? The, the riches that we have on the other side of that fear of God is there's no greater gift than eternal life. There's no, we all seek to extend our lives on earth. And maybe by healthy living, you might extend it by 10 weeks, 10 weeks, 10 days, 10 years. You might look a few years younger for a while, all of Olay, whatever it is. But you know what? The greatest gift we can have is eternal life and relationship with God forever. And no amount of money could ever pay for that. Jesus said, you might gain the whole world, but if you lose your soul, what's the point? But Jesus is like, give up the so-called riches of this world. Take hold of the life that I give. And my goodness, that is, he says your soul is far more worth than all the riches of the world. And so the first aspect of fear, the fear of God is in relation to our eternal life. And our salvation and our relationship with Him, this is not something we can earn. It's not something we can buy. It's a gift of the grace of God. Thank you, Lord God. We can't earn it, but we simply come to Him in faith. But now, the second, the fear of the Lord, I want to talk about in relation to, to building our life now. How do we build our life when it comes to the fear of God? The, the, the key to eternal life is who you run to. But now the key in relation to building our life is who we follow or who we obey. That is what it comes down to. Who do we allow to direct our life? Who do we, where are the, are the instructions in terms of how we're going to build our life? For me, I used to be a building designer, drafts person. And so you'd spend a lot of time working out the blueprints or the, or the plans and give that to the builder so the builder could build the house in a constructive way. If you don't have a plan, then... <laughs> just crazy it won't work and so but but what god wants us to do is to build our life according to his instructions remember he's god he kind of know how it works right <laughs> if, you, if you want to build your life you, you want your life to work well do it according to his instructions and the key instruction piece is the word of god and in isaiah chapter 66 verse 2 isaiah 66 verse 2 this is what god says he says has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord. He's like, you're kind of here because of me. <laughs> He's like, I'm God, I made it, I know how it works. So, so therefore, he says, the next verse, these are the ones that are looking with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Those who are humble and contrite say, God, I've given it my best shot of building my life. It's kind of like a bit of a wreck. It might look good, but it's, it's just hay. It looks like a whole lot of stuff. But those that are humble and contrite in spirit and go, God, I want to I actually tremble at your word. I want to live my life and build my life according to your word, according to your instruction manual. In other words, God wants us to put what he says above what anyone else in our life will say. 
above what the politicians say. We want to honour them and respect them, though. Above what famous people say, what culture dictates, the latest social media trends, what, as much as I sometimes like watching it, what the project tells you that you need to believe, what schools tell you, what are the latest fads or phases or the latest fashion or... It is to put what God says above what our opinions are, what our friends think, what our workplaces think. Again, what culture tells you you need to believe. No, we need to go, God, I'm going to tremble at your word. Sometimes we find ourselves trembling at other people's words. <laughs> no, 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 he wants us to tremble at his word. Um, the Institute of Basic Life Principles says this. There's a quote. That comes from them. And it says, The fear of the Lord is one of the most valuable treasures that we can gain because God is our creator. And if we are to find true success, we have to live according to his design. How did you make it, God? He knows what is best for our lives as we gain wisdom about his ways and choose to value what he values. We will be mature as his children and our lives will be blessed. See, God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless our lives. And then someone else says this. He says, The fear of God is a radical God-centeredness that shapes everything else in our life. That you're building your life around God. Isn't it funny how we build, actually, God around our life? Well, like, rather than building our life with God in the center and building it around Him, we actually build our life, and then try and fit God where we can. Oh, I guess I can fit in church on a Sunday. Oh, I guess the sport, this other thing. You know, we're, gonna, we're just going to shuffle these things around. I'll just add God, or I'll, I'll, add, I'll attach God onto my life rather than shuffling everything else in my life around God as the centerpiece of my life, rather than adding God in as an extra, optional extra. You take God more seriously than anything else, whether that's other priorities or the opinions of people in your life. It's this God-centeredness in my life. God, God, you are at the center of my life. And, and, and there's no clearer example than this, than with the life of Abraham. Um, Abraham is called the father of our faith, right? And, and Abraham was like the father of the Jewish nation. And God appeared to Abraham one time and was like, Yo, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a nation and you're going to have more descendants than there are sand on the seashore and stars in the sky. And Abraham's like, wow. But him and his wife were barren. They couldn't have kids. But God had promised to them. And they held on to this promise until, until late, late in their life, when Sarah was about 90 and Abraham was about 100, they, they gave birth to their son called Isaac, right? Isaac is a miracle. They're like, our dreams have come true. It's, it's like Isaac became, was the hinge of history. Isaac was the, the source of their promise. It's through Isaac that, um, that the nation would be born and all their hopes and dreams and desires would be fulfilled through their son Isaac. They're like, our life is complete. It's made. It's amazing. And then God speaks. God speaks and brings his word to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, yeah, I want you to sacrifice your son in obedience to me. And Abraham is like, Say what? You what? It, uh, like you—you you gotta be kidding! But you—he—he uh, he did not understand it. But do you know what Abraham did? It says the next morning, he got up and he went 
and he started to make the three-day journey to the mountain where he, you know, it's not that politically correct to say that he would sacrifice his son. This made no sense. It was the most valuable to him. It cost him everything. It hurt him emotionally in every way to do this. But yet Abraham trembled at God's word immediately and completely obeyed God. He had like three days to think about what he's doing. Okay, God, I'll do it. Like, imagine, you know, we're often we're like that, aren't we? Like, yeah, I'm going to obey you, God. I'm going to do this thing. Ooh, hello. That looks, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, later. Okay. We, we can be so, so distracted. And so this is what happened is Abraham held the knife ready finally to sacrifice his son after three days. He laid out the wood. He bound his son up. He lifted to the knife. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 12, God said, don't lay a hand on the boy. This is never God's intent. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. You have not withheld from me the most valuable thing, my gift. You, now I can trust you, Abraham, with the, with the nation, with the greatest nation on earth. I can trust you now because I know that you're, gonna put, you're not going to put the gift above the gift giver. You're not going to make an idol and a God out of the good things that I give you and put that before me. I know that you have you open you, you live your life with an open hand. Say, God, you're you are God, and I'm not God. I live my life like this. And because Abraham lived like that, God knew that he could fill Abraham's hands up with a blessing, with great riches, with great honor, because you know that Abraham wasn't holding on to the gift, but of the giver of the gifts. And this is God's heart for us, because it says Genesis twenty two, sixteen to eighteen, this is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, even whatever it is in your life that you value so much. Oh, but the girl, but the guy, but, but they're so good. I'm not, you know, but the, but the, this, but the, that, but the, whatever your butter is. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your butter, your only son, I swear by my own name, I'll certainly bless you. I'll multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sound of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of the enemies and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Your yes to God. I tremble at his word. On the other side of that, my goodness, it unlocks the blessing of God in our lives and who knows how many other people around us. And so the key is this. Delayed obedience isn't obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You know how sometimes we're actually spiritual? Yeah, the Lord's working on me. <laughs> God told me to do this, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, so why don't you just do it? Nike, just do it. Nike, Nike, what is it? Who goes Nike? Hands up. Okay, who goes Nike? Put your hands up. Okay, I, I feel like the Nike people are really proud. Like, no, we know. We know what it's really. <laughs> we're looking down on the plebs. <laughs> we know what it's really called. <laughs> <laughs> delayed obedience is disobedience ouch partial obedience is disobedience God wants us to follow through even when it makes no sense even when it's the most valuable thing that relationship that job that Netflix series 
the footy game, it's okay. We lost the Eagles game anyway. I think the Bulldogs slaughtered us. So I just get impressed when people go, nah, I'm, I'm gonna, real tangible things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put before God. When it costs us, when it hurts us, even when there's no apparent benefit. Yeah, I'm going to beg God because now I'm going to get a blessing on the other side. <laughs> but what if, like Abraham, there, there's no blessing on the other side in his mind, but God is like, obey me regardless of whether there's going to be any apparent or not. And obedience, obedience and trembling at God's word is what it means to fear God and to put Him first in our life. And so just two quick things that the fear of the Lord brings freedom in, right? The fear of God, we think, oh, the fear of God, like I'm scared of God. But you know what? It's not about being scared, it's scared of God, but it's about having a reverential awe to say, God, you are God. You are the creator of the universe. I'm not. The Bible calls us like we're like dust. We're like a mist that comes and goes. But we, 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 think we're, we just think we know best, don't we? We're like, yeah, if I was God, <laughs> God shouldn't. No, that's not God. Like, really? Isn't it? But just you're reading the Word of God. And, it's and so there's a few things. I'll just invite the band to come back up. The fear of the Lord brings freedom in a lot of areas, but, but two particular areas, right? Who knew, who knew that the fear of God would bring you freedom in your life? Because the truth is that Jesus said, well, you're either going to fear man or fear God. And so not, not like, I've got to run away from him, but this. And so he says, either you're going to fear man or you're going to fear God. So one thing that we get freedom is, is from people-pleasing. How much of our life is dictated by people-pleasing? Pleasing people, or like the, you know, the, the, you know, the, you know they, them, you know them? Don't know who they are, but them. Whoever the them is that you're thinking about on social media that are watching you on Facebook or Instagram or your life, or your work colleagues or that old boss or that old teacher or your parents or those people in your mind that you're trying to impress or, or build up. That's you fearing man. That's living in bondage, in bondage to people. Like, really? We're going to allow our life to be controlled by what other people think? Or God says, no, 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 no. Don't be controlled by what people think. Be more concerned with what I think. Fear me. God says, come and tremble at my word. And as you do that, you're going to be free from the bondage of what people think. And you're going to live your life in freedom. Because Jesus said, the Son sets free, He's free indeed. And we follow after God. His, His rules aren't there and His guidelines and His principles aren't there to constrict our life. But every single one of them gives us life and gives us freedom. Where the world says, I'm going to live how I want, really the same, I'm going to be. I'm going to, this is the second part that we are in bondage with. The first one is people pleasing, that we can be free from, but the second one is pleasure seeking. Pleasure seeking. You know what the world has made is an idol or a god of pleasure. I seek the most important thing in our life is you feeling good. You do you. You be happy. You do what you feel feel good. If it feels good, do it. It's right. The determined, greatest determining factor of what's good for you is what feels good in the moment. It doesn't matter about how other people feel or how God feels. Pleasure seeking. This is, the world is dominated by pleasure. Like the sole meaning of life is to feel good. But when we fear God and tremble at His Word, we prioritize obedience over pleasure. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't that pleasurable, pleasing, for us, when we obey God, it's going to cost us. But you know what the truth is, that the long-term consequence of 
seeking pleasure as the number one goal in your life results in long-term pain and suffering. It's the ironic thing. But the truth is, the long-term consequence of the fear of God, as we read earlier, which is the beginning of all wisdom, is inadvertently we have great pleasure. God brings us joy. He gives us joy. He gives us pleasure. These things, it's more of a, a long burn of great fulfillment and pleasure in our life. And so God wants to free us from people-pleasing, from pleasure-seeking. And so right at the end now as well, I just want to give us answer one question. Well, the question is, well, how do we get it? How do we get this fear of God in our life? And it really is an invitation. We're really just stirring and a decision in our heart to go, God, I'm going to pray for it. God, I'm going to believe for it. I'm going to, I'm going to choose it. I'm going to choose this in my life. I'm going to study it. And do you know what the truth is? We can actually receive a spirit of the fear of the Lord in our own life. Not, not this, I'm scared of God and now I've got to try and prove myself to God by doing right things. This, let me, can I be, I could not be more clear than this. The fear of God is not, you've been a good little person so you can feel better about yourself and tick off some brownie points with God. That's, that's not it. We're saved by His grace. Thank you, God. But now loving response to His grace is, God, I want to I live for you. And I want to build my life as something that counts in eternity. Paul laid the foundation. The foundation is Jesus. There's no, there's no other foundation. We've got it. We're saved by grace. But now we want to build our life as something significant that will last for eternity. Let's build with quality materials. And we can receive it. There's a spirit of the fear of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, upon Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so right now, by faith, at the end right here, I'm going to lead us through a prayer in a few moments. So I'm going to get us to stand in a few moments. And if you're watching online, and it begins by faith, just in the same way where God says, receive the Holy Spirit. Is something we receive as a gift. Where Jesus said, God is like a loving Father. He doesn't withhold good gifts from us, but He loves to give us good gifts, especially the Holy Spirit. And so tonight I believe that by faith, we're just going to simply receive, God, I recognize I, just, I don't have it in my life. It's so countercultural. It's completely the opposite. And God, I just recognize I've been building my life with hay. I've been pleasing people. I've been seeking pleasure. I've been building my life with all the wrong materials, but now I, I, I want to turn. I want to dismantle the things that have been hay that take up a lot of space in my life. I want to clear the deck. I want to say, God, I want to build with gold. Lord, would you give me a spirit that fears you, a spirit that gives me freedom in your presence. So let's just all stand up together in this moment. to close our eyes across this space. Thank you, God. I just believe that God is God is just here. And I already sense just the pleasure of God right now. God's delight is delight in every single one of you. As right now, I just believe that the Holy Spirit is touching hearts right now. That right now, He's giving you grace to let go of those things. He's giving you grace to let go of the hay. He's giving you grace right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, we just turn, Lord God, collectively as a, 
church, as a body, as individuals, God, we turn and we, we just say, sorry, Lord. Sorry, God, would you forgive us for those times, Lord, where we've added you to our life, God. But Lord, we want to dismantle that, hey, Lord, we want to dismantle, we're sorry for the things right now that we've done, where we build our life, God, with things that aren't of wisdom, Lord God. But right now we turn, Lord God, we turn away, Lord God. And right now, God, we take hold and we choose the fear of God. So right now, maybe we want to lift up your hands before God right now, by faith, like you're receiving from Him. But right now, I release, just receive the spirit of the fear of God right now. Lord, we receive from heaven. We receive from you right now, God. Lord, I release it in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit, Lord, a holy fear from God, a holy fear of you, Lord God, that leads us to flee, Lord. It leads us to run to you, Lord. A holy fear, Lord God, that enables us to be free from living for other people, Lord, from living for pleasure. But, Lord, a fear, Lord God, that leads us to live for you as the Lord and as the God of our life, God. And so right now, Lord God, I just release your forgiveness. I release your healing. I release your freedom. In Jesus' name right now, I break off the power of the fear of man, the fear of what other people think, God, right now in Jesus' name. I break off bondages, Lord God, things that have taken hold of people where they felt locked in to live for pleasure rather than you, Lord. Right now, I break that power in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that this is a work of your Spirit, Lord. This is not a work that we can try to do on our own, Lord God, but by faith we receive from heaven, Lord. We receive from you, Lord, in Jesus' name.